Welcome back to your favorite podcast, Motherhood Unscripted. That is right. We had to tweak the name just a tiny bit. It can still be your favorite podcast, but it is officially going to be known as Motherhood Unscripted. And the reason I chose that name is because Mama Mystery, for those of you who don't know, is my other podcast, which is all true crime. And that podcast is scripted on my end. Austin's reactions, those are not scripted. Those are totally 100% genuine. But my role in that show is scripted. I write the scripts, I do all the research, but it, it, it is scripted. So the goal with this podcast is to have a little more fun, be unscripted. It's completely authentic and real. And we're going to talk about things unrelated to true crime because sometimes you just have to balance out the heavy nature that is true crime. It's often sad and heavy, and I want this one to be light and fun. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into today's episode. So while I was in college, I went to the University of Kansas and I was a diehard Sex and the City fan. And when they came out with their first movie, I went to the movie theater where you could like order food and drinks at the same time. I ordered a Cosmopolitan, even though I did not like them. I dressed up. I wore this cute little dress. I mean, I, it was like people who go to see a new Harry Potter movie dressed as a Harry Potter character. That is how I was treating Sex and the City. Um, And that's embarrassing. And I know that, but I'm still, I'm going to be real here. Okay. That is the goal of this whole podcast. I took it all very seriously. I thought I was going to be like little Miss Charlotte when I grew up. Um, So yeah, when they came out with their movies, I really liked the first one. The second one, when they went to Abu Dhabi, I was not super thrilled about that movie. I felt like it was just a little forced, if you will. I just felt like a lot of the storylines were really reaching, um, especially the conflict between Carrie and Mr. Big. It was like at one point, I just really wanted to see them be happy and just no drama. Why does there always have to be drama? That's kind of how I felt when I saw um, Sex in the City 2. Because if you'll remember, Carrie goes to Abu Dhabi. She happens to run into Aiden while she's there and she kisses Aiden and then comes back home and tells Mr. Big, you know, oh, I, I made a mistake and it just made me realize how much I love having a drama-free life with you. I don't know. It was just like, okay, Carrie, when are you going to grow up? Then you have Samantha, who is trying to fend off menopause with a huge variety of supplements, and she's just all about staying young and staying frisky, if you will. Um, That hasn't changed a bit. (laughs) And there's Miranda, the Miranda we knew and loved, who was always hardworking and ambitious, was trying to work her way up in this law firm, but she was met with someone who just kind of disliked her simply because she was a woman, didn't trust that she was capable, I guess. And so that was kind of her conflict within the movie. And then there was Charlotte, who was honestly the most relatable to me now, besides the fact that she wears vintage Chanel like around the house. I don't know, can't relate. But um, she's struggling because she's got two very young kids who are going through the terrible twos and they're just driving her crazy. And I'm like, yes, I I can relate to that. But one thing I will say that I did appreciate about the second movie is that it stayed true to their characters. Their stories seemed to be consistent. Their personalities were consistent. And so when they announced that they were coming out with the reboot series and just like that, obviously without Samantha, I was interested just to see how they were going to develop the characters um, a decade after that second movie wrapped. However... 
Shortly before that first season of And Just Like That came out, reports surfaced that Chris Noth, who plays Mr. Big, was being accused of sexual assault um, against two different women. And so these two women, identified by the pseudonyms um, Zoe and Lily, both said that they met Chris in their early 20s. Zoe, who still works in the entertainment industry, said that she met him through an entry-level entertainment job in 2004 when she was 22 and he he was 49. And she is alleging that after several flirtatious encounters, um, he invited her to hang out at a pool in the complex where he had an apartment. So she goes to this apartment complex and then she said that he lured her up to his apartment um, to discuss a book, but that when she got up to the apartment, he took advantage of her. Um, and then she said that she and a friend afterwards went to Cedar sinai Medical Center for stitches after the assault. But at the time, she didn't tell the hospital how she got the stitches. She didn't tell them the truth anyway. She'd never named him. Um, and unfortunately, Cedar sinai does not keep records that date back to 2004. So there's no way to, I guess, confirm this. And that is by no means me saying that it didn't happen. It's just me saying that all we have is her version of the events versus his. The other woman who was referred to as Lily said that she met Christopher Noth in 2015 when she was 25 and he was 60. So she was working at a nightclub called Number 8 um, as a server and he was there. They struck up a conversation and he asked her to dinner and she accepted the invitation as a fan of Sex in the City um, and also under the impression that he just wanted to talk about their careers. <laughs> I don't know. But Lily said that she accompanied him to his apartment afterwards and then details what happened at his apartment in the same way that Zoe detailed what happened to her at his apartment. Like the details are eerily similar, which leads me to believe that it's probably true. Lily and Christopher Noth um, did text each other after the fact, and she revealed these text messages where one of the texts from him said, quote, by the way, I had to ask, did you enjoy our night last week? I thought it was a lot of fun, but I wasn't quite sure how you felt. And then Lily replied, quote, hmm, I certainly enjoyed your company. Great conversation. Not to go into specifics over text messages, but I did feel slightly used. Perhaps this is better as a phone conversation, but I can't talk at the moment. They continued to text afterwards and made plans to meet up for drinks, but I guess the plans fell through and they never met up again. Now, Christopher Noth does not deny that these things happened. However, he does deny that it was against anyone's consent. So he did admit that he strayed in his marriage and that it was very devastating to his wife. But he says that no crime ever happens. And honestly, the interview is really gross. He just did it. Um, back in August, about a month ago, and said that at the time he was just very enamored by all the people who wanted to be with him and that he thought to himself, oh, well, I'll never get this chance again. And so he took it and just, I don't know, had his fun, I guess. So anyway, with this though, producers of And Just Like That probably felt like, well, shoot, we have to do something about this. We can't allow him to continue being on the show. So they killed off his character in the first episode of season one of And Just Like That. And it was, it was a pretty big shock when that happened. But it set up for the rest of the season to kind of just showcase Carrie's navigation through that grief and her newfound widowhood. 
She's making new friends and changes in her life. She no longer wants to be in that big fancy apartment that she and Mr. Big, you know, kind of created together. And so she moves back to her old apartment, even though it's renovated. And so she kind of takes a step back. She also starts doing a podcast, which is where we meet Shay or Che. I never know how to pronounce it. I'm just going to say Che for the sake of this episode. But that is where we meet Che, played by Sarah Ramirez. Um, Those of you who are familiar with Grey's Anatomy, she played the orthopedic surgeon Callie. I loved her character. I was sad to see her go. This character that she plays I found to be very polarizing and very hard to like, and her jokes were never, ever funny. I just, it was so cringy and painful to watch any of the scenes that she was in. But in, and just like that season one, she's introduced as uh, Miranda's love interest. So Miranda, who is like struggling with sobriety and she's drinking all the time, now comes out as a lesbian and she starts having this secretive relationship with Che and then kind of just like her whole world just kind of goes up in flames and she's trying to figure out, you know, what her future holds. And it was just so disappointing, if I'm being honest, if I'm being perfectly honest, to see someone who had built this career, built this family, built this relationship, her and Steve had really been through the ringer and managed to come out on the other side. And she had this successful career that she built on her own. And it seemed like everything in her life was good. And I get it that like everything from the outside might appear good. And that doesn't always, it's not always indicative of things going on on the inside, but it just seemed like such a whiplash. Like, did anyone ever know who Miranda really was? Did Miranda ever know who she really was? And, you know, it's hard to believe that someone is being their authentic self when they're struggling with addiction. And so all of these things that are coming out in the midst of her alcohol addiction is kind of like, is this really your truth or is this something that you're using to cope? I don't know. I don't know. So the whole thing just felt very contrived to me. I felt really uncomfortable with the way that her and Che's relationship developed on screen. It just was, it was weird. And it made me, it made it hard to like Che because I felt so bad for Steve and for Brady. And then of course, at the end of the season, she moves out to LA with Che and just pretty much abandons everything back in New York. (laughs) And yet she gave Carrie such a hard time when Carrie wanted to move to Paris and she didn't have any kids or an ex-husband involved. So it's just like, I I don't know. Miranda has always been a little bit unlikable to me and she was even more unlikable in season one of In Just Like That. As far as Charlotte's storyline, it was really pretty tame compared to everyone else's. Um, Charlotte, who was always known as this like perfectionist girly girl, always so well put together had just a little bit of a hard time when her daughter Rose um, came out as transgendered and said that she didn't feel like she was a girl. And so she wanted to go by the name Rock and start using they, them pronouns. I thought it was interesting that out of all the characters to um, put this storyline on, they chose Charlotte, who was always, I don't know, seemed always uber conservative. So I thought that was interesting. But I mean, honestly, it was so overshadowed by everything else that was going on between Big and Miranda that we didn't even, I I just never even thought about Charlotte during that first season. Although I will say, I guess there was a lot of talk about Charlotte's appearance because um, just on like the forums and everything, everyone was talking about how different Kristen Cavallari, who plays Charlotte, looked. Um, But I, I will say like that never really 
stood out to me, I guess. I mean, they all look a little bit older. Carrie was really letting her grays shine through. Same with Miranda. They all appeared to have been great aging gracefully. So, um, but there was a lot of talk about like her plastic surgery. Was it a botched job? I don't know. I maybe she did get a little bit of a nip tucked on, but I didn't think that she looked that different. I mean, they're they're older. We're all getting older. So I would expect to see some changes like that. Now, obviously, we don't see Samantha in season one because there was a lot of conflict behind the scenes um, regarding her relationship with her castmates and um, problems she had with the amount of money that she was offered. She didn't feel like she was being paid fairly, so she doesn't make any appearance in the first season. However, we are introduced to three more new characters in Seema Patel, which is a friend of Carrie's. She's a real estate broker. Um, She's single. She's kind of like a mixture of um, Carrie and Samantha. She's got that like tough ball busting energy that Samantha had, but also like the fashion sense and style that Carrie has. So um, I don't know if they were trying to kind of replace Samantha's character with Seema. Um, But then we're also introduced to Lisa Todd Wexley, who has kids at the same school where Charlotte's kids go. So we're introduced to her. And then there's also Dr. Naya Wallace, who is a professor that Miranda was taking a class from. I don't know. There's, There's a lot of characters and it's hard to keep them all straight. But we can't forget the staple couple, Stanford and Anthony, who did get married. Um, However, during that first season of In Just Like That, the actor who plays Stanford, which is Willie Garson, he passed away unexpectedly um, while they were filming. And so they somehow had to write around his absence and they chose that... Anthony and Stanford would get a divorce with Stanford just kind of disappearing to go become a monk, we later find out. Um, I guess he moves to Japan, and I don't know, that's how they that's how they wrote his absence. I thought they could have done a much better job and given him a lot more credit um, and maybe, I don't know, like treated his the, the memory of his character better. But I don't know, I guess when you're desperate, <laughs> you just choose the first thing that comes to mind. So they're like, yeah, Japan, and he's a monk now. Yeah, sure, that explains it, why he can't communicate or anything. But anyway, the season ends with Carrie kind of striking up a little romance with one of the producers of her podcast, Franklin, and we're all left hopeful that maybe she's picking up the pieces and is going to have a fresh start and all is going to be well in the Sex and City world, and then season two comes out. Now, for whatever reason, as much as I disliked watching the show, I continued to watch it. And I think they call that hate watching. (laughs) Um, And if that's what it's called, then I guess I'm guilty because I really struggled to like this season. And I know that season three is going to happen. It is in the works. And so I just, I can't even imagine what they're going to come up with for season three. But season two felt like I was on a rickety old wooden roller coaster that just had all these unexpected turns and jolts and jarring moments. It was like shock value just left and right. I don't know. It was confusing. It was hard to keep up with. At times it was really boring. Um, I don't know. It, It was just really hard to keep up with this season. And so here's why I feel that way. For one thing, I felt like there were way too many characters for the time allotted. And so none of the characters could really develop a a full storyline. There were so many missing pieces that we were just left to guess because they didn't have enough time to elaborate on any of them. And the biggest example of that is actually the main couple, which is Carrie and Aiden. Their relationship 
moved so fast and it skipped so many important milestones. Like there was apparently a trip where she went to Virginia to meet his kids, but we never saw any of that. It literally almost made me feel like, did I miss something? Was I not paying attention when that part happened? No, it just never happened. And that was such a huge part of their story was Aiden's separate life in Virginia with these sons. And then, of course, at the end, he's really struggling because one of his one of his sons is struggling with his mental health. He gets high on shrooms and then wrecks his dad's truck and he had been drinking. And so it's, it's just like it's hard to even really sympathize because we just don't even know enough about them. I mean, it's sad. Don't get me wrong, but I never shed any tears about it because it was like, well, I never even got to meet these people. How am I going to mourn or care about someone we never really got to know, even though it's TV? I know it's TV. It's not real life, Kelly. I know. But still, do you get what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making any sense. And there was also this big opportunity to see Carrie in a motherly role. And yet, Instead of diving into that stepmother role and expanding on that, she just adopts a cat and somehow relates that to motherhood. It literally feels like the producers and the writers knew they didn't have enough time to expand on these characters. So instead of that, let's just introduce a cat. And it's in season two where we also find out that Stanford writes a letter to Anthony saying that he has become a monk and has just never felt more peace. And they even have this photoshopped picture of, of him in an orange thing that monks wear as a monk. I don't know. It, it was just so, such a far stretch. I, it, it was almost laughable. Like really Stanford, Stanford. Stanford is a monk. Okay, got it. So we're moving on. Anthony now has this new relationship with this very young and attractive Italian poet named Giuseppe, who is like probably less than half his age, but they strike up this relationship and Anthony has a hard time opening up to Giuseppe and Giuseppe feels like there's these barriers that they can't break down. That whole relationship was just really unbelievable. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable in a great way. No, it was impossible to believe. But as far as the other characters, like Nia Wallace, I guess she and her husband split and that whole thing was kind of a whirlwind to me. I was kind of too distracted by everything else going on that I didn't even have the bandwidth to fully understand what was going on in Nia's life and then Lisa's life. She ends up pregnant at the end of the season, but then she unfortunately has a miscarriage. And I mean, there is so, so much going on. And so now with all of that behind us, now that I've kind of recapped everything leading up to this finale, now we can talk about the actual finale 20 minutes later. The most shocking part of the finale for me was that Samantha actually made an appearance, not just a written note like in season one where she just wrote a note with the flowers for Big's funeral. No, she is actually like you see her face. She has lines. She's in it, but she's not actually face to face with any of the other characters. She's calling from across the pond saying that she can't make it to Carrie's 
last dinner because Carrie is finally selling, actually selling her um, her New York apartment that she grew up in with every season of Sex in the City and the season, seasons of In Just Like That. We are getting rid of that apartment. We are moving forward to this new beautiful apartment, but the staple apartment is now going to be gone. So she wants to host this like final last supper. Um, obviously, Samantha's invited, but Samantha calls her to tell her that she can't make it. Now, Kim Cattrall reportedly earned a whopping $1 million for less than two minutes on screen in the finale. And her appearance had a lot of buzz, but honestly really didn't live up to the hype. She didn't interact with any of the co-stars. It was just one quick phone call with Carrie and then she was gone. It was like a flash and then she she was gone. Um, it was kind of disappointing. And I don't know, I, w- I would have liked to see her actually with the other three because it's iconic. Um, but obviously there's too much going on behind the scenes for that to actually happen. Also in the finale, Miranda and Che do break up. Che moves on with another girl or... <sighs> I don't know. I'm going to probably get heat for that because I don't think this person identifies as a girl. I don't know. She moves on. Okay. And Miranda and Steve kind of reconcile and become friends. And there's this point where Brady strolls up on a bike and looks at them as they're kind of just patting each other's back. And I don't know, Brady, (laughs) I saw someone say that Brady had nothing going on behind the eyes. And I I feel like that's very an astute observation. But nonetheless, I was happy to see that Miranda and Steve were working towards a place of camaraderie, I guess, or reconciliation and friendship. I don't know. I guess we will see. I've, I've always had a soft spot for Steve. I don't even know why. I don't know why, but I'm ex- I'm happy that he's still in the show and that I, I hope that he makes another appearance in season three. I will say, though, now it just came to me that in season one, I feel like they were... Um, implying that maybe he was going through some sort of like form of Alzheimer's or dementia. I felt like there was something going on with his memory or maybe he just wasn't hearing or maybe they were just trying to really play up the fact that all the characters are kind of older. We're entering into our 50s now. So maybe it was a little bit of that, but that was never really expanded upon. So I'm curious to see how they're, what they're going to do with his character in the next season if I watch it, which I probably will, just whatever. At Carrie's apartment at the final supper, Miranda and Che are face to face and they finally say the one thing that has made the most sense in the last two seasons, which was we were a train wreck. Yes. Another astute observation. You were glad we can move on from that. So at one point during this um, episode, Miranda and Naya decide to go to the dinner together. And at one point, they're in the stairwell together. And Naya has this, what is supposed to be a meet cute with Chef Toussaint. And I have never been more uncomfortable watching a scripted television show. It was so bad. The writing was terrible. The acting was terrible. It was so, so, so bad. At one point during the dinner... Chef Toussaint gives them one of the courses and it's like this little tangerine thing you're supposed to eat after you eat some sort of olive. I don't know. The the tastes are supposed to complement each other. And Naya looks him in the eyes and says, it exploded in my mouth. I wasn't expecting that. Oh my God. Are we writing for and just like that or the X-rated film section at Cirilla's? I, I can't. This is so, it was so bad. I literally, my face scrunched up because I was just like, oh, this is, this is terrible. Now, towards the end, um, to wrap up this 
already hard to believe episode. We have Aiden showing up at Carrie's apartment without any luggage, indicating he is not planning on staying. And they have this conversation about where his priorities are and how he needs to stay in Virginia with his sons. And he asks her to wait for him for the next five years. I don't understand the dynamic here. Are we saying like you can't ever get together? Carrie can't go to Virginia. You can't visit each other. Like it just seems really hard to believe that this is the only possible option for their relationship. And she somehow agrees to it. And then she goes to Greece with Seema. And so I don't know that that part of the episode was kind of just confusing to me. And I felt like I don't know. It was just very unrealistic. I loved that um, they played the song Golden Hour by Jake. That is one of my absolute favorite songs. It was like my song of the summer. It was so good. If you haven't listened to it yet, you have to go listen to it. It's a great song. Um, of course, during the compilation of everyone making love at the end of the episode and the end of the season, there's all there's, there's like this montage of every couple in bed together. And you know, it's unfortunately when this song is playing, I loved this song and that, that kind of montage almost ruined it for me, but you know, it very much closed the same way that the season opened, which was just everybody doing the nasty. It honestly just kind of felt a little bit rushed to me. Obviously there were only, I think 11 seasons or 11 episodes for this season. And so there was not a whole lot of time to really elaborate on a lot of these characters and their storylines. So let's just kind of wrap it up with everyone doing it at the end, you know, like that's what everybody wants. Um, no, I actually would have liked to see a little more substance, but maybe that's because I've matured since my days at KU, or at least I would like to think so. And I was hopeful that the show would have matured as well, but it doesn't seem like it's doing that. It seems like it has taken a big step backwards and I might be on my own with that observation or that opinion. Um, there might be some people out there who really love it. I just have never met them. So tell me what your thoughts are. Did you love it? I'm not going to argue with you if you did. I want to know if you did love it, what it is you loved about it. I just had a really hard time liking it. And that is my honest, my honest view and opinion on this season. Season three is going to come out. I don't know when. Um, all I know is that it is slated to be, I guess, in the works. Um, and when it does come out, I probably will watch it. And I just hope that it gets better. Maybe I'm just glutton for punishment, but I am going to watch it and I hope that it's better. And if you want to give me an anonymous um, opinion on the show because you're afraid I might bite your head off if you tell me that you love it, which I swear I won't. I'm a nice girl. But if you want to give an anonymous opinion, I do have a Google form where you can submit questions or um, stories or anything anonymously. So go check that out on my Instagram, your favorite podcaster. Um, I'll have my link tree on there and there will be a Google, Google form in that link too. So let me know what you thought of today's episode. And if you liked it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review so that we can get in the eyes of new listeners. I appreciate you all so much. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.